Lord told Joshua to meditate day and night in the Word of God. And, you know, I meditate on the Word a lot, just uh, thinking about verses. And, you know, this is in, uh, in the book of Mark, chapter 11. And, um, you know, we have probably read this verse. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've read this verse, right? Uh, Mark 11, 23 and 24. And, um, and so, of course, we know uh, that these verses are still true. So in Mark 11, uh, 23, it says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And so, <clears throat> is this a true verse? It is true, right? Can you speak to the mountain? You can't speak to the mountain, right? Uh, and is there any prayer in this verse? Does it say, ask the Lord to move the mountain for you? There's no prayer, right? This, this is not a, a verse of prayer. Verse 24 is a verse of prayer. But verse 23 is an exercise of your authority as a, child, as a child of God that you have authority in the matters that deal with your life. Amen? So if there's a mountain that's in your way, what can you do to the mountain? You can speak to the mountain, right? And, and, and it says the key, of course, is uh, not doubt in your heart. Well, I tried it. I didn't think it worked. Did uh, you meet the requirements for that verse? No, the verse says that you can't doubt, right? So, well, you know, it doesn't work for me. Well, then, you know, you don't have faith, you know. It always works for me, <coughs> and, and that's my faith, right? Uh, and so, but uh, we were talking about, um, I think I was talking with uh, Tracy, the, the, he's talking about this song. You know, and of course, songs, there was a song, and, and uh, I meant to write it down. It had one like the worst phrases in the world, you know, as a Christian, right? Uh, God, you never come through, or something like that, you know. Uh, and, um, you know, I thought about writing the author, uh, but um, I just went on with life, but Anyway, so he said there was a song, the, the, a line in the song says, God, don't move the mountain for me. Give me the strength to climb it. Anybody heard that song? I don't know what that song is, you know, but uh, uh, doesn't, doesn't that sound spiritual, though? Oh, Lord, yeah, Lord, that's right. Just, Lord, don't move the mountain. Just give me the strength. Uh, and, you know, when he said that, immediately it rose up in this verse about how selfish that is. Because if you move a mountain, how big is a mountain? It's huge, right? I mean, it's not, it's not just, you know, a pebble or a molehill. It's a mountain. So how many people do you reckon that mountain that you just asked to move, uh, how, how many people has that mountain been affecting besides you? Well, probably lots of people, right? I mean, it's, it's a mountain. I mean, it's not just, you know, Dayton Mountain. How big is Dayton Mountain? How many people live on Dayton Mountain? Hundreds of people, probably thousands of people live there, right? And if it was in a way, how many people uh, would that affect? Thousands of people, right? So if there's a mountain that's causing a hindrance to people's lives, that could be affecting hundreds of people, right? Uh, thousands of people even in some cases. Uh, and and <clears throat> if, if you refuse to move the mountain and, Lord, just give me the strength to climb it, that's great. What about the other 999 people that need help? That you're the only one with faith around in the whole county and you're the only one who has a faith to move the mountain, but you won't move it because you've asked the Lord for your special uh, little uh, strength. That Yeah, now you can climb it and all the other people are left at the bottom of the mountain. And, and isn't that selfish, right? It's selfish because it doesn't follow the word, amen? They follow the word. If, if the Lord tells you to move the mountain, then, 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 then that's your responsibility. And all these other people, you know, you know, we depend on each other, amen? I depend on you. You depend on me. And if I don't do my job, it could affect you. If I don't do my job of moving that mountain, you may be stuck. Uh, and you may not be able to get to where you're supposed to be in your life because of me, because I won't do my job, amen? Now, could you get your own faith? Sure you could, Amen. But does everybody have the faith to move the mountain? Well, it, it, not everybody, right? That's, that's why we need each other. You know, I was just thinking about how selfish a, a, a line of that. Now, I don't know who wrote the song. I don't care who wrote the song. I'm not mad at anybody who wrote the song. <clears throat> not that mad at him anyway. 
and uh, you know, I, I'm not in unforgiveness towards. I don't care, right? I mean, but I would never sing, Lord, <clears throat> don't give me, you know, don't move the mountain, you know, uh, just give me the strength to climb it. It just sounds just so dripping, sappy of of doubt and unbelief, you know, just, 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 you know, uh, <clears throat> I don't even like that. stuff like that. Just really annoys me because it's it it has the pretense of being spiritual but it's a complete fraud and lie right it's not even true it's not the lord didn't say you know speak to the mountain uh, uh, you know uh, unless you just don't have it sometimes and then, then i'll give you the strength to, to climb it anyway sorry but all the other folks you know you can't do it i'm not going to give you the strength because you didn't ask for it uh, and so are we mad at anybody who wrote a song like that no but don't be singing uh songs like that songs of doubt and unbelief amen because sometimes the Lord needs you to be the person of faith, right? Sometimes the Lord needs you to be the person who can speak to the mountain so that the people around you have a, a free path to move to where they're supposed to go, and you may be the only one that can do that, amen? Uh, and, and I understand we all have the, the potential to do that, but not everybody does. So anyway, I thought that was pretty good. How many times have we read that verse? Never saw that till the other day. I thought, well, that's pretty good, Lord. I like that. So, uh, so um, you could enjoy what the Lord taught me too, Amen. And so let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and we'll get into praise and worship. Father, when this hand is, is laid upon us, Father, all is well. We are made whole, Father. Our hearts are made whole. Our minds are made whole. Our bodies are made whole. Father, you are the healer. Thank you. And Lord, I thank you that now, today, that we, as the body of Christ, we are the hand of the Lord. Father, we have the grace and the privilege to lay hands upon those around us, to effect a healing and cure in their lives, Father, to effect a deliverance, Father, and a renewing of the mind, Father. We thank you, Father, that the very hand of the Lord that touched the people and the Gospels, Father, is still on the earth today through your church. Father, we take it seriously. It's a serious matter, Father, to be able to lay hands, Father, to transfer the very power and life of God into another person on the earth, Father. Father, we thank you. What a privilege and an honor to be the body of Christ in the earth. What a great joy it is to see people's lives that have been destroyed and, and downtrodden, Father, be recovered by the great hand of the Lord, the hand of power, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you that you have seen fit, Father, to give us this privilege to be your hand in the earth. And, Father, to back it up with all the power of heaven. Thank you, Father. And Father, there's no mountain, there's no sickness, Father, there's no brokenness that your hand cannot take care of. Father, you're just as powerful today as any day that you've been in existence, Father. And you've had no beginning. You'll have no end, Father. So your power has not diminished one, even a small bit, Father, in the earth. And Father, we thank you for that. And Father, we thank you for these things. We give you all glory and praise and honor for them, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? We appreciate His goodness and kindness and watching over us. Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of, of uh, 
Matthew chapter 5. We'll continue there today. Uh, we started talking about the, uh, or discussing the topic of divorce last week. And um, I, I can't tell you how long we'll be here. You know, just, uh, you know, I thought, would well, this be a, a week, you know, maybe two weeks? But there's just, um, um, well, you know, when we, when we were looking at the statistics, just the natural statistics, you know, we were talking about how uh, just in the natural world, not, not the church, but just in the natural world, uh, at least in our society, uh, if you get married, 50% chance you're going to get a divorce, right? Now, that's not in the church, but that's just in, in, in our society here. 50% chance you're going to get divorced. Well, that's pretty, that's 50-50, right? I mean, you know, that's, that's pretty tough odds, right? Uh, in the church, it gets a little better. You've got a 34% chance of getting divorced in the church, right? Uh, that means that uh, 30 out of 100 people are going to be impacted by divorce, right, uh, in a church. That's a lot, right? I mean, that's, that's a big percentage. And I, and I just, I sense that's, that's why the Lord wants us to be here for just a little while. We aren't going to be here till forever. But if that's, you know, if, if, if you're talking about, you know, somebody has got stage four brain cancer, well, how many people in a church is that going to impact on a, on a daily, not, you know, very rare, right? Some rare disease that nobody's going to have. Well, you know, okay, we can talk about that. Or some rare thing that, that you know, that, that, it, that it's not a big deal. Uh, but this is a big deal, right, in the church. So I think it's uh, just from the Lord's uh, unction that uh, we should spend a little time. And, and uh, I, th- I think from my perspective, this is not a difficult subject. You know, in a lot of the church, it's a difficult subject. You know, now, it's, it's dif- difficult from my perspective because there's so many strong opinions about this topic, right? Fighting mad opinions, right? You leave the church and shoot the dog opinions, right? I mean, uh, but... You know, it doesn't bother me because the word is clear. There's a lot of a lot of scripture that deals with this topic. If there's a lot of scripture that deals with this topic, it seems like we should be able to come to a, a simple consensus of what the word says. But too many times people just, uh, you know, this is what it means. Uh, and they'll pick one verse and they'll build an altar, worship that altar, and, and die on that altar and never look at any other verse in the whole Bible. So, well, let's just look at what the word of God says. You know, it's not that we have to make it up on our own. Let's just see what the word says. And to me, there's no, there's no condemnation in the word. And yet, how many people have been condemned in the church because of divorce? I mean, can, you're of no value to the church forever if you've been divorced. Except for your money. Now, that's okay. But the rest of you, there's of no, no value to the church. You can never add any value to the church. Which to me is really odd because money is like the least most important thing in the whole world, right? Most important thing in the world is the lives of people. Uh, and so... So let's just, uh, we're not going to go back over everything we taught last week, but we need to start here with, with uh, what Jesus said uh, here in verse uh, 31, Matthew chapter 5, verse 31. He says, uh, it hath been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, in other words, divorce his wife, that's the Old Testament phrase for, for divorce is putting away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife shall for the cause, saving for the cause of fornication, Causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. And so, uh, now we had mentioned earlier that in the previous discussion about adultery, Jesus was explaining that in the New Testament ideas of it matters what goes on in your heart, right? Not just what you naturally just physically do can be accused of from a from an observation, but just what's going on in your heart. You know, if you look at somebody and you lust after them and you think about how many different ways you can sleep with them and do things that we, we should not discuss even in polite uh, circles, right? Uh, then that's wrong. Is that wrong? It's surely wrong, right? Jesus said it's wrong. Old Testament's like, nope, not wrong. 
because I didn't sleep with them. And Jesus said, that's not the way we live in the New Testament. What matters in the New Testament is what's the condition of your heart. Amen. Uh, but when he came to divorce, uh, the problem with, with divorce is at, by this time, right, it's been thousands of years since the law from Deuteronomy 24, 1 that we read, which is what Jesus said that uh, it had been said. Well, it was said in Deuteronomy 24, 1. That was the law for divorce, right? That uh, if you find any uncleanness in your wife, then uh, you can give her a writing of divorcement. Uh, and so... In fact, we read, you know, uh, uh, Deuteronomy 24, 1. It says, when a man taketh a wife and marry her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes. Now, see, a lot of people stop right there. I don't like the way you did your makeup. No favor, right? I don't like the way you cooked the biscuits. You know, no favor, right? I mean, it just, people are going to take that and just, they're going to stop right there, and they're going to expand that, right? Expand that to be all-encompassing. But it says, because... Right? So you can't stop with there, but it says because he has found some uncleanness in her. So now the, un, the, the lack of favor is due to some uncleanness, right? But see, some people don't like to read the whole verse. They want to, you know, just stop right there. Uh, but then again, well, what's that mean? Well, you know, uh, she, she didn't uh, wash the dishes, right? That's uncleanness, right? Uh, uh, she didn't do the, do the laundry. Is that uncleanness? Uh, no, uncleanness is a, is a spiritual issue. Uh, and, and so, but what does that mean? Uh, he said, then uh, if he finds that, then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand, give it in her hand and send her out of his house. So we talked a lot about this just last week. Uh, uh, what, what is the, what's the limit here? Well, Jesus comes back and he says, look, this, what I was trying to say, because didn't he author the Old Testament? He did author the Old Testament, right? Uh, through the hands of Moses, but he's authored the Old Testament. And what I was trying to say is, look, if, if she commits fornication, right, if she breaks the marriage vow through some type of uh, sin, through adultery and fornication, then that's a cause for divorce, right? That, that, that's, a, that's a just cause for divorce. And, uh, and if that's true, then Jesus said that, uh, that he can give her a writing, a, a writing of divorcement, right, a, a bill of divorcement, or however you want to say it, just divorce her, if she commits adultery. So if that's the case, right? Uh, and so, you know, in studying the word, it's okay to actually use your brain sometimes. You know, sometimes people like, they study the word and they just turn off their brain and just don't even meditate on the word. Well, you've got to meditate on these things because, you know, the, there's, the spirit of God gives us revelation of what these things mean. It's not just, you know, if you, if you take it so legalistically, what happened by this time of society in the Jewish nation, that they basically said, it means anything. And so they expanded the, the definition of divorce to just, if it's Tuesday, you're out of here, right? Because you've lost favor with me on Tuesday, right? If it's Wednesday afternoon and, uh, and for whatever reason, you know, I find some uncleanness in you. Well, what does that mean? It means just whatever I want to say it means. Well, that's not true. You can't just say it means whatever you want to say. It has to mean what it says in, in the Word of God. And if it's not perfectly clear, then the Spirit of God has to step in and give us the understanding of what that means. Amen? If we, if we just use our excuse, our, our legalistic uh, attitude to say, well, it means just whatever I say it means, then why is there a verse in the Bible at all? Just why, why are you looking for a Bible verse to excuse your sin? Just do what you want to do anyway. If you're just going to say the Bible means whatever I want it to say, why even have a Bible? I mean, it, you know, there are limits to these things. And so, but, so, so Jesus wasn't trying to cover the New Testament scenario because the New Testament scenario of marriage, and we're going to talk a little bit about that later on, uh, is the law of love. And that covers everything, right? Would you commit adultery if you walk in love? 
uh, not the agape love, right? I mean, I loved him, you know, that's not the kind of love we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about the agape love, the God kind of love. Uh, would, you, would you commit any kind of act of uncleanness against your spouse if you were fully walking in the love of God? Well, you never would, right? You would never steal, kill, destroy. You would never harm anybody, say anything unkind, hurt anybody physically, hurt anybody emotionally. You would never do any of those things if you were really walking in love. So walking in love is a New Testament ideal for the marriage, uh, the marriage vow, right? Uh, and so, uh, but, but Jesus, he's not trying to expand us into the New Testament yet because uh, they're so messed up at this, time, at this point in time that basically we can get divorced for whatever reason, but he's trying to, he's trying to uh, corral the Jewish people here back to what the law originally said. This is what it was for. It was, it was to allow a, a, in this case, it's limited to a husband, right? But is it only limited to a husband? I mean, if, does that mean that if, if, if uh, you know, Chris and I are married, and this says if the woman commits adultery, then you can get a divorce. But what if I commit adultery? Nope, not in the law. It's too bad. You've got to live with it, you know. Does that even make sense? Would the Lord, would the Lord do that to make sense? No, why? Because, the, you know, in their society, that was the general principle that, that, you know, I guess women are loose and men are always perfect, right? Uh, and so, well, it's just still pretty true today, right? Uh, and so... Um, but that doesn't make any sense. So, so there's no scenario that if the husband commits adultery, that the woman uh, can get a uh, right of divorce. Well, see, legalistic people say, nope, it's not in there. Well, that doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, the, these things should make sense, amen? Uh, and so, uh, you know, without, without uh, uh, violating the principle of the Word of God. Uh, and the, the whole thing is these things are principles. And really, when you get into the New Testament, when you talk about divorce as a New Testament uh, in a uh, New Testament scenario, we're going to look at what the Word says. The answer is, it depends. Like it always is. It always is. What, what's the situation? What's going on? Is it okay to get, to get a divorce? Well, it depends. Well, well, you can't just say it depends. Well, see, the problem w- with that statement is, if I say the answer is it depends, some people are going to do like all these Jews do, did right here, and expand it to mean I can get a divorce anytime I want to. Did they do that? Were they doing that? They were doing that right now. That's why Jesus is trying to corral them back to where, you know, these are supposed to be situations that are, are severe, right? Serious situations that would warrant a divorce. Uh, the Jewish people had expanded it to be just anything. Well, if I say today that, you know, there are some scenarios where divorce is okay, uh, then, then some people are going to say, well, then I can divorce any time I want to for whatever reason. Well, that's just as wrong as the Jewish people were. Does it, does it uh, violate any principle of the law of love? Well, I just like my neighbor's wife better than my wife. Well, I guarantee you'll be in sin before the noontime, right? If that's your attitude, amen? Uh, and, and so, uh, in fact, uh, uh, just let's just, there's, there's so many different things, so many different places we can go to. So we're just going to get on the bus and we'll just see where we go, right? So let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Um, so I just want to read one, one scenario here. Uh, we're not going to go through all of chapter 7 right now. We may go through it after a while. But uh, the, the, in the church, the, the, the general attitude in the church today, right, in, at least in the Pentecostal churches and a lot, in a lot of denominational churches, is that all divorce is sin uh, and all divorce is wrong. Uh, and yet uh, we've got here, let, let's uh, start here um, in verse 12, this is First uh, Corinthians chapter 7, verse 12. He says, But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believed not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let, her not, let him not put her away. So you've got a scenario where 
you've got a brother, right? A Christian married to a non-Christian, right? A Christian man married to a non-Christian woman. Right? That's, an, that's the scenario he's talking about. Uh, and if she wants to stay, then let him stay, right? Don't, don't make a divorce because late, later on he talks about how the ideal marriage, and we're going to talk about what, what from, the, from the Word of God when he says marriage, what does that mean? What's, an, what, what's a New Testament ideal of marriage? And, you know, you think that'd be an easy thing to define. Well, it is easy to define from the Word of God. People are confused today, right? Well, it just means you can marry anything. I married my dog. You know, I love my dog. I married him, you know. That's dumb, right? You know, but, I mean, you wait. You wait. I mean, you think that I'm being facetious? You wait. Somebody's going to get online and go, I identify as a dog, and so I want to marry a dog, and, and you can't judge me for that. Well, I'm not going to judge you. I'm just going to think you're dumb, right? I mean, so I don't really, I'm not judging your eternal destiny. I just think you need some help, right? Probably some medication for that. Uh, and so, but here's a scenario. So you've got, you got a Christian man married to a uh, non-Christian wife. Now, uh, ideally, the Bible says, if you're going to get married, it should be a Christian man, Christian woman. You know, and really, the Lord doesn't say really anything about Marriage outside of, of his covenant. You know, all the people that are unsaved out there and they're getting married, the Lord doesn't really recognize that as even marriage because it has to be through God. And so, you know, they're, they're doing that. Legally, they're doing that. They're going to, you know, courthouse, getting the papers and stuff. But the Lord doesn't really recognize that because they're not his people. And so they just do whatever they want to do. And they're just kind of, they're just kind of taking advantage of, of how the Lord defined marriage. And they're doing it, but it's not really... You know, he's not mad at them because, you know, they're not his people, you know. And really, my, my counsel would be if you were unsaved and got married and you got saved, uh, I'd renew your vows, you know. Just, it wouldn't hurt, you know. It'd it just be a good thing to do. Uh, and so, here, here you've got uh, a, a Christian man married to a non-Christian woman. And it says in verse 13, And the woman which with hath a husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. So it's the opposite scenario, right? Christian woman, un, non-Christian man, and they want to—they love each other, right? Well, then let them stay. That's what Paul said. Let them just go ahead and stay married. It's okay, right? Anything wrong with that? I mean, Paul didn't say anything wrong with that. And, you know, people have preached people into the hellfire and damnation for being in this very scenario, right? Well, it's just wrong. You need to get a divorce, right? If they're not a Christian, you need to get a divorce. Well, but Paul said, just, if they want to stay, let them stay. No, nothing wrong with that. He said, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. Now, that doesn't mean that they get to go to heaven. It just means from a, from a spiritual standpoint, they're not unclean. And so, because uh, the, the Christian person sanctifies the other person uh, in, uh, in the sight of the Lord. But it doesn't mean they get to go to heaven, right? They, don't, they still have to accept the Lord Jesus, amen? Uh, and so, you know, people make up all kinds of weird, weird things like this. He said, but, in verse 15, but if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, for the God has called us to peace. So now, if the unbelieving person just leaves, you know, you go to church too much, I'm just out of here. You know, that scenario happens, right? A lot of times, when one spouse gets saved and the other one doesn't, you know, the, other, the unsaved spouse oftentimes gets jealous of the Lord. Because now they're going to church all the time. They're making friends. They're praying. They're reading their Bible, you know. And they get jealous and they, they'll leave. They'll, they'll, I'm out of here. And Paul said, let them go. So does that mean that a Christian person is in sin because they got a divorce? Because the unchristian left? 
No, I mean, so is this a scenario where divorce, where there's no sin from the Christian here? Now, you know, the other person, they're, they're a sinner anyway, so it's not really here nor there about them. But the person that, that was uh, a Christian and the unchristian spouse left, are, is the Christian in sin? Do they have to repent? Do they have to go to the Lord and say, I've, I've done wrong? Is this a scenario where a divorce, where there's no sin uh, for the Christian to repent of? Well, sure. Uh, and yet, uh, a lot of people would say, all divorce is sin. Well, then Paul is wrong. Is Paul wrong? I don't think Paul is wrong. Is Paul in conflict with what Jesus was saying? No, Jesus was talking specifically, he was addressing the question about the law, right? About, specifically about the law of the Old Testament. He wasn't addressing New Testament Christianity, New Testament uh, marriage. He was addressing the law. In fact, let's go back. Uh, we were in, in Matthew chapter 5. Let's go back over to Matthew chapter 19. And look, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're looking for what I'm saying as an excuse to get a divorce, you don't need my excuse. You don't need me to give you an excuse to divorce. You can be in sin all by yourself, right? If you're looking for a loophole, if you're looking for a reason to violate your, your, covenant, your covenant marriage, you don't need me to do that because you know, you're going to fall into the same trap as the Old Testament Jews did. Look for any excuse and say the law said it's okay. And if you're going to look for any excuse, say the pastor said it's okay. I would never say it's okay. I would say, well, it depends. Well, tell me, tell me the situation. Tell me what's going on. Amen. Uh, and so, you know, you get, uh, uh, in this case, and when Jesus was talking about the law in Deuteronomy 24, uh, that covered the, the specific scenario of, uh, of a woman committing adultery against her husband. And, and the Old Testament law said it's okay to get a divorce. So if, the, if it's okay to get a divorce... Is that husband in sin? If, if he divorces his wife who committed adultery, is he in sin? Well, no, because the, 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 the Bible said that that's a scenario that is an acceptable situation to cause a divorce to occur. Now, she's in sin because she committed adultery. Amen. And we talked last week that if she stays in that without committing, without repenting, she will stay in that adultery uh, sin and she'll carry that into her next marriage. Now, and so, but we said, is there, is there no place for forgiveness for, in both parties? Are both parties doomed forever? Is that the unpardonable sin that they can never be forgiven for that sin? I mean, if she committed adultery, if she was really guilty of committing adultery and violated her marriage and the husband decided he didn't want to stay with her, he's, not, he's clearly not in sin. He doesn't have to do any repenting. Well, what about the wife? If she really did do that, is she, is she doomed for life? Is there no place for her to repent? Could she ever say, Lord, I did it. I chose to do it. Nobody made me do it. I committed adultery against my husband. And here I am, and I caused him to divorce me. Could she not repent of that and say, Lord, I repent. I choose to repent and to ask you to forgive me for that. Is there not any forgiveness for her in that? Well, surely there is, because 1 John 1, 9 doesn't say, you know, confess your sins unless it's adultery, unless it's divorce. Then, then you know, because uh, I'm faithful except for that situation. Well, there's, there's no scenario in that. But again, people say, well, then it's okay to divorce any time. You don't need me to give you an excuse. You live in whatever sin you want to live in. Right. I mean, you want to because people all oftentimes will try to justify the actions they know are wrong by what somebody else says. Well, he said this scenario right here, but there's no there's no scenario. It's you know, you you've got to every scenario has to be looked at in the situation of what's going on. You know, the, 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 does it cover every scenario? Well, no, I mean, it covers one scenario where the where the wife commits adultery against the husband, doesn't, carry, doesn't cover the other scenario, the other way around. Husband commits adultery against the wife. Does that mean it's too bad? No, surely it's not too bad. Surely if the husband, uh, 
commits adultery, that the wife could walk out the door or have him walk out the door, right? That'd be the most ideal thing, right? Uh, and so, but what about other scenarios? There are all kinds of scenarios, right? What about uh, physical abuse? How many wives are stuck in marriages because of physical abuse? The husband is physically harming the wife, right? Beating her, hitting her, right? I mean, in my opinion, you know, this is not even a, well, it depends. This is, in my opinion, just from the word of God and what the love of God says. If a man ever hit a woman, ever in America, you walk out the door and you never go back. What if he begs you to come back? No way, ever. What if he repents and, and, and asks for forgiveness? My, my counsel would be, tell him, man, that's great. I'm glad that you found forgiveness. See you in heaven. Never go back. Never go back. If a grown man doesn't know how to not hit a woman, you know, then, then there's no hope for him. And that, you know, could he repent? Well, sure, he'll have to find somebody else. Just find somebody else. Amen. I mean, that'd be my opinion, right? Now, you could do some frying pan counseling, you know. I mean, you know, maybe she hides behind the door, you know. Yeah, but no, I don't, you know, we're not going to do frying pan counseling. But I mean, that, it, that, but that scenario is not covered in the word of God. Well, you think the love of God would want a woman to stay in a situation where she's physically abused? And yet the church oftentimes has said, you have to stay because there's no place for you to, get a, to walk out the door if your husband is abusing you. That's crazy talk. There's no scenario that the love of God wants his child to be physically abused by somebody else in that situation. Amen? I, just, I can't imagine how I would ever say, you have to stay. A hundred times out of a hundred, I'd, I'd walk out the door right now. I mean, immediately. I mean, even if they threatened it, if they, if they did this right here, I'd still walk out the door and never go back. How dare you put your hand up against a child of the living God, you know, and threaten them with physical uh, harm if, they don't, if, they, if you don't do what they say, say you should do? How dare you, you know? I'll walk and never go back. And I wouldn't lose a wink of sleep over it. Not even a wink of sleep. And I, would ha- I wouldn't lose a wink of sleep uh, with the Lord either about that. Uh, and so, because I know the Lord loves us. Now, you know, we've got to address other things, right? Uh, how did we, we get there to begin with? Don't we live in the New Testament? We live in the New Testament, right? Uh, and and we're, well, we didn't make it to Matthew 19. We'll try to make it over there uh, here in just a minute there. But turn over to uh, John chapter uh, 16 there. In John chapter 16, now we live in the New Testament, right? We live in the New Testament. So, uh, what advantage do we have in the New Testament? We have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. Amen? Uh, What does he say here? He says in verse 7, John chapter 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you or to your advantage that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So who's he talking about? She's saying it's to your advantage that I leave because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit back to you. Is that good? Does that even make sense? You think, so Jesus, you're saying that you're right here with me right now, but it's better for me if you leave. I mean, would any of us think that would be the case? No, but is it true? It is true because he said it was true. Well, why, why is it true? Because not only is Jesus with us, he's in us. This Holy Spirit is in us. See, that's a great, uh, much greater advantage than the Old Testament ever had. He lives on the inside of me. Amen. Well, what does he do? Well, he does many things, right? Down in verse 13, he tells us a little bit about it. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but what is the service shall he, he hear? That shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So he's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. Well, what's one of the most important truths you should ever know in your, in your life? you should marry right and so 
uh, if you were really led by the Spirit of God, would you have married that man that's going to beat you? I mean, there's a 0% chance. The Spirit of God, well, I know he's going to do it, but it's okay for now. No, he's never going to do that, right? He would never, there's no scenario where the Spirit of God goes, would say, yeah, in six months he's going to start beating you. Uh, and so, uh, but for now, just try to love him best you can. There's no scenario where the Lord would do that. Never. There's, there's no scenario where the Spirit of God would say, I want you to go do that. Amen? There's no scenario where he would do that. Uh, and so, you know, uh, it, it, in the scenario where it's the woman being beaten, you know, she may need to do some repenting for, doing, for not following the Spirit of God to begin with, right? Now, if she's not saved, that's a different discussion. But if she's saved, you know, she may have to back up, well, how did I ever get here? How did I get to this point marrying this man? You know, Brother Hagin tells a story that there was a lady in his church, one of the most spiritual ladies in the church. She, she was not married, and I, I don't know if she was divorced or, or widowed, uh, but she wasn't married at the time. Uh, and and uh, she started uh, dating this alcoholic. Uh, and her, her friends and her, and her daughters, like, you know, you need, don't, no, don't, uh, don't be with this man, right? He's a terrible human being. Well, I love him. Uh, and, and sure enough, she got married. And it disappeared for like six months, maybe a year or something like that. And finally they saw her and she didn't look anything like she did before. She all, all, all you know, just looked terrible, you know. Uh, and she she's, comes to Brother Hagin as a pastor of the church. I said, you know, I'm a prisoner in my home. I can't go out anywhere. You know, he, he, he hits me and he does these things. And, and why did the Lord ever put me in this situation? See, she said the Lord put her there. But... Do you think the Lord did that? And Brother Hagin said, he said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're lying. The Lord didn't put you. You put you there. You wanted to marry this scoundrel. Uh, and, you know, sometimes people do, right? They, they, they lose all, all intelligence and they marry the person anyway, right? Uh, and so it happens. Amen? Mistakes are made oftentimes. But did the Lord lead, to do, lead you to do that? The Lord didn't lead you to do that. Uh, you should know, right? I mean, it's, I mean, it's one of the most important decisions you can make in your life. Right? Who are you going to spend the rest of your life with? Right? Amen? Because, again, we're gonna, eventually we get to the, what God's ideal in these things are. Um, but it should, it should be an ideal thing. I mean, it should be a, a, a situation where the Spirit of God leads you to this. You know, Chris and I dated for four years, but it wasn't. Uh, it was, we had been dating for four and a half years before the Lord told me to, to marry her. So, you know, you marry her, right? Okay, I'll marry her. But, you know, there's two people involved. You ever notice there's two people involved in marriage, right? But he said, it was in August of, of, of 1988. He said, he gave me a whole list of things to do. I've been praying. Lord, I just, you know, did feel like I was in, everything was fine. I had a great job, great friends, you know, great church. Everything was fine, but I just wasn't happy, right? Not, not unhappy, like, I'm just, I just, I just, there was more. Well, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, this is what you want, I want you to do. He gave me a list of things to do. Uh, you know, I had to quit my job, sell my car, right? And I love my car, but I had to sell my car, right? And so, okay, I'll sell my car. Uh, and so, <clears throat> uh, go back to school uh, and, and uh, marry Chris. And actually, the last thing he told me to do was to go back to the church that I'd gone to when I was in college. He said, there are things that you need to learn there uh, that the pastor needs to teach you. You know, he never said they were only good things either, Right? Uh, you've heard some of my stories, you know, and I kind of get on the Lord sometimes, you know. You never told me there were some bad things I had to learn too, right? Uh, he's, well, I'm not obligated to tell you that. You know, I'll tell you what I tell you. And so, <clears throat> uh, and so, uh, so I knew in my heart that, that I'm supposed to marry Chris. But, you know, there's two sides of this thing, right? Some people all the time go, the Lord told me I'm supposed to marry that person over there. Well, do they know that? If they don't know that, the Lord didn't tell you that. Amen? Uh, uh, and so, 
so I had it all planned out, right? I had to save up money, buy a ring, right? And so I got some guy named Guido. He was selling rings, you know, in the back of a trunk somewhere. I went down there, bought the ring, and, and, um, and so it really wasn't a trunk of a car. I, I hope it was legal, you know. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was. There's a good chance it was. Uh, nobody's knocked on our door in the 33 years to ask for the, the diamond ring back, so uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was legal. But anyway, so, you know, I had to sell my car. I had to apply to go to school, right? So a lot of things to do. I mean, just stuff. So I had it all planned out. August... So uh, by, by my birthday, the next February, I'm going to ask her to marry me. It's like, like you know, so that's six months away, you know, because I'm a little slow when it comes to things, you know, six months away. So, uh, so I had it all planned out. I'm going to go up there. Uh, she was still here in, in Tennessee. I was down in Alabama. I'm going to go see her on this weekend, ask her to marry me. You know, it would be awesome and it would be cool and everything. And, and, and so, uh, so that was going to be on a Saturday of my birthday. Uh, well, Friday night, the night before I go up and see her, She's, she's praying, and the Lord says, what would you do if he asked you to marry him? Now, see, if she'd asked me that, I'd know the answer, right? Uh, but she didn't know the answer. Not, I mean, the answer was easy, obvious, right? Of course, I mean, you know, I mean, look, you've got a great deal, right? Marry me. Uh, and so, but, but he asked her a question, what would you do? And she had the exact right answer. Her answer was, I don't know, Lord, what should I do? Because, see, he's going to lead you and guide you all truth, Right? Because uh, if the answer was, oh, I'd marry him immediately, you know, and, and the Lord said, well, may, do you think I'd get an opinion about that? I mean, maybe I have an opinion, right? My opinion would be like, run, right? There's people I know that are dating, I'm thinking, run. You know, not to the altar, run away from each other, right? <clears throat> and so, but they don't ask my opinion, and I'm not going to tell them my opinion. If they ask my opinion, I probably wouldn't tell them because I'm not their Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is there because he told me what to do. But see, the night, now he waited every last second, right? Uh, he, on Friday night before I'm seeing her, I'm, you know, uh, I'm going to see her the next day. <clears throat> what should you do? Well, what should I do, Lord? He, he said, didn't he tell you to marry me, right? He said, marry, marry me, right? That's the right answer, right? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't tell you to run or anything, right? Uh, and so, uh, see, that's the, that's the New Testament ideal where both people know by the will of God, by the Spirit of God, that we're supposed to be married. That is ideal, right? Because the Lord, does the Lord know everything? He knows everything because, you know, we, when we're dating, it's all smiles and everything's fine, happy. We take a bath every day and everything, right? You get married, it's like, I ain't seen a bar soap in a month, right? I mean, it's, a, well, I'm married, you know, it doesn't matter now. And, uh, well, you know, uh, sometimes people change for the worse after they get married, right? Do you, ever, do you ever seen that happen? Now, sometimes we get better. Hopefully, we're getting better. I mean, I'm striving to get better every day. And, um, but, you know, things happen. Well, the Lord knows if those things are going to happen or not. I mean, most of this time, these physical abuse, well, not most of the time, but oftentimes, these physical abuse doesn't start until after they're married. Because they're going to use this legalistic, well, you, have, you, can't, uh, you can't divorce me because we're married now. And you'll be in sin. If that was sin, I'd still be in sin. I'd, I'd still walk out the door. If I knew that that was sin, that, to leave an abusive marriage, I would still sin. I would do that on purpose, right? And I would get forgiveness later. You may think that's crazy talk, but, you know, we shouldn't be in that situation anyway, amen? It's not a sin. I don't believe at all it's a sin uh, because they're violating their marriage vows, amen? And we'll talk about that a, a little bit more in, in detail. Uh, and so that's the New Testament idea. Well, you know. So if you know, now, do, do, we, owe our, do we walk in the perfect, uh, perfect will of God every day? Do we know what the perfect will of God is every day? Uh, are we pursuing God in fasting and prayers every day to find His perfect will in every single thing we do? We're, we're, surely we're not, right? Surely we still make mistakes even in that situation, right? And, and have there ever been any mistakes where I know 100% I'm supposed to marry them? And was it still a mistake? Sure. There are times and scenarios where it's still, you know, and so you have to go back and, and talk, Lord, how did I get here? 
And that's what I would do if I, if, I, if I was in a situation like that and it all fell out. I'd go back, Lord, how did I get here? How did I get to a point where I married this person and, and I, I, I loved them? Now, look, the thing about love is love is just an emotion. It's not, it's not the prerequisite for even marriage. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but I mean, it's helpful, right? Uh, but people think if, if I love them, that's sufficient. And I'm not talking about love. I'm not talking about agape love. I'm talking about physical love, the, the filial love and the eros love the natural love that the world has, right? The love that you just, the, the emotion of love, right? That's not the agape love, but the emotion of love is not sufficient to, to tell you whether it's the will of God to marry somebody or not, amen? I would think that if the Lord wants you to marry somebody, that you would have that emotional love in addition to the agape love. That would be ideal, right? Because it'd be tough and boring in a marriage that I don't love them physically or love them emotionally, you know, but I love them, you know, like a sister in, in Christ, you know? That's like marrying your sister, right? That would be kind of weird, right? So, uh, <clears throat> so the ideal New Testament marriage is based upon the premise that the Spirit of God spoke to both parties and said, it is my perfect will for you two to get married, and so you go do it, right? And that, that, that's the way, for me and Chris, that's what the Lord did for us, right? We both knew by the Spirit of God, independent of each other, that it was the will of God for us to get married. And so when we came together, you know, uh, has, has our marriage been perfect? Well, I think it's been days of heaven on earth. But, but have we had to change and grow up? Well, sure we have. So many times, right? Because every, every, every sin, caused, uh, every divorce caused by selfishness. And I can't tell you how many times uh, I've talked to the Lord, Lord, I'm just a selfish person. Because you'll say, quit saying this to your wife. You know, quit doing this to your wife. You know, do better this with your wife. I, can't, I mean, it's so, it's so many, it's like, uh, you know, sometimes I wonder if, if I'll ever make it. Because I can't tell you how many times over the years the Lord has rebuked me about how I speak to my wife, how I treat my wife, how I, what I even think about my wife. Not even what I say to her that she'll never know, or thoughts that I have that she'll never know, and I'm not telling you, honey. You know, uh, it just, uh, the, just even the smallest things, right? You know, being resentful because she left a shoe on the floor, or just whatever, just silly things that, that you know, you don't even think about it, just, you know, well, you know. You know, it's like, no. Don't you have that attitude towards her? Yes, sir. I mean, just things that, that nobody would even care about uh, but the Lord cares about so many times over the years, so many times over the years, the Lord has rebuked me for being selfish in, in my attitudes and my thoughts about, uh, about her towards her, words I speak to her, uh, tones that I speak to her with. Well, I didn't say anything wrong. Yeah, but what was your tone? You know, how many, wives, how many husbands talk down to their wives, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's a shame. It's embarrassing, right? Uh, and now, if we're led by the Spirit of God, see that we would never have gotten there to begin with. So my whole point in this discussion is sometimes it's helpful to ask, well, Lord, how did I get there? Because if you can find out why you got there, how did I get into a marriage where my husband was beating me? How did I get there? Well, you said you loved him, and that was all you needed to go, know to marry him. But that's not all you need to know. You need to know, is it the will of God? Because you didn't love him when you came out of your womb, did you? When you came out of your mother's womb? You didn't even know him. So the love was developed over time as, as you had shared interests or shared ideals or whatever it is. That love was there. But if you'd, if the Lord, if, if you'd gotten close to that person to begin with, unless you'd run, then you would have never been close enough to them to ever love them. And so don't, don't give me this excuse, well, I love them. That's, what's, what, that's all you need. No, that's the last thing you need. What, the most important thing what you need is what's the will of God? You know the will of God, the love is easy. Natural love, for me to love my wife, is easy emotionally it's easy for me to love my wife because i know it's the will of god for me to be there uh, and so that that makes it easy to love her from from a, an emotional standpoint and i do i love her emotionally 
Uh, but I also love her from an agape standpoint, but I know it's the will of God for us to be together. So, so that's ideal, but does, has everyone ever lived up to that perfect ideal? No, so many times people get married, I love them. Yeah, but what's the will of God? I don't, see, I don't care. I don't care if you love them. You know, now, you should love them. I mean, I can't imagine Lord would, there was a scenario where the Lord said, you go marry them. I know you don't love them, go marry them. I, why would he do that, right? That'd be so hard to do that. Uh, could he do that? Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't see any Bible for or against it, but I know that he would lead you and guide you in all truth. <clears throat> and I just think, you know, we need to be partners together because uh, marriage is more than just the bed. The mar- marriage is shared interests and goals, right? And we've got shared interests and goals in, in this life to advance the kingdom of heaven through our marriage and many things, right? And it's hard to do that if you don't even love them. Uh, so, uh, you know, people want to make all these hypothetical situations. The ideal would be that Spirit of God leads you to marry somebody that you are emotionally in love with. Um, but I believe he would lead you away from uh, a thousand people that you have the potential to fall in love with that aren't the right person for you. But so many times, uh, you know, we, we look at somebody and we judge from a natural standpoint. Well, they look like this, or they get this income, or they got this house, they got this job, or they got this family, or whatever. And, and we look at all the natural uh, resume items, and they meet all my resume items, uh, in my checklist, and so therefore I married them. In the Spirit of God, the whole time's going, run, run, run. Because, you know, even in a, in a perfect world, there are two Christians who may be perfectly fine people, but just will not be compatible with each other. Amen? Just, you know, sometimes people are just super picky, right? You know, people that's like, well, uh, you know, uh, I can't, I can't, Eat after anybody. You know, people that are that way, you know, they, can, they can't even, even share any food at all, right? And the other person is just lick, licking the plate and everything, right? Dropping food on the ground, eating it. You know, they don't care, right? And so, you know, those two people, might, they might have a lot of friction all their marriage, right? Now, I know people make it work, you know, but still, uh, sometimes that's a conflict, right? Uh, you get two people, one person loves to spend money. One person loves to save money. Well, sometimes that's a conflict, right? Now, could you work it out? Sure, you could. Uh, but sometimes the Lord is like... Uh, your differences will never will never be compatible. You'll never get there because who you are, I, I believe in my heart that two people that are married today could overcome anything, anything, by the love of God, anything. I think any marriage could be salvaged 100% of the time without exception if two people are willing to, to, to put the effort into it. If one person is, they'll never be doing it, right? And so the Spirit of God is there to lead us and guide us in all truth. That's the ideal uh, New Testament marriage is that the Spirit of God... Uh, spoke to two people and revealed to them supernaturally, you two should be together for the rest of your life. That's ideal. That actually is pretty rare. Most of the time, I love them. Most of the time, it's like we grew up together, we were friends, you know, and all those things are great, right? Is that the will of God? Because to me, really, all that matters in my life is what's the will of God. Nothing else matters. What's the will of God? To be in this church is the will of God. To pastor this church is the will of God for my life. That's all that matters to me. What if nobody shows up? It's still a will of God for me to be here. What if everybody shows up? It's still a will of God for me to be here. Amen. I'm not moved by chairs full or chairs empty. I'm not moved by any. I'm moved by the will of God. And the same thing when when I married Chris. If he told me to walk away, we've been dating for four and a half years. That's a lot of investment right there, right? Mostly because I'm slow and dumb is is really, I think it's all on me, not on her. Uh, But um, if the Lord had said walk away, I'd have done it. I'd have walked away. In fact, uh, you know, uh, I had a dream one time. This is after we were married. I had a dream one time that I was fixing to get married, not to Chris, but to somebody else. 
uh, you mean it was like adultery? No, it was, just, it was just a dream, right? And so you got to leave dreams where, where they're at. You know, it was just a dream. But uh, it was a day of the marriage, and, and I was fixing to go up to get to married. And, and uh, so uh, I'm in the room kind of getting ready. And, and the Lord said, you can't marry her. And I just started weeping. In the dream, I started weeping because I knew, okay, I'm not marrying her. But I was weeping because she's going to get hurt because of my decision. Now, see, if I, if, you know, again, it wasn't about marrying Chris or not marrying Chris. It was about, will, am I willing to do whatever it takes to follow the will of God? Uh, and so, uh, so in the dream, I started weeping and, and knowing that I'm going to tell her that I'm not marrying her the, on the day of our wedding at the church, right? At the church that we were getting married at. And, and I, I immediately woke up. And when I woke up, the Spirit of God spoke to me, and he said, he said, that's your first step to walking in my full will, that you're willing to do whatever it takes to be in my perfect will. And see, if we would live that way, Lord, whatever it takes to be in your perfect will, then that's what I'll do. If I've got to walk away from somebody like that. Now see, before you ever got invested in somebody and being really close and you, you get all this emotional attachment and all these shared interests and desires and things, you should find that, Lord, it's just somebody that, that uh, uh, I should even be with. You know, a lot of times people just jump in and they, well, let's see how it goes. That's a terrible way to live. Best way to live is, Lord, should I do this? Should I, should I have this person in my life? Should I be close to this person? You know, I mean, it's not, I'm not saying you should be suspicious about everybody that walks around, but, you know, but if you know, you know, you're just friends and all of a sudden, hey, let's go on a date. You know, I'd go, you know, fast in prayer, you know, maybe even, you know, kill a chicken and have an offering or something. I don't know, you know, I wouldn't do that. But, but you know, I, I would probably like, you know, Lord, is this a path that I need to be on? Because he may not tell you everything, but, you know, he may tell you some things. He may tell you, run away from that person. But before, before I got seriously invested in this person's life, I'd, Lord, is this where you want me to be? Is this the person you want me to be with? Uh, and if we would be led by the Spirit of God, see, we would save so much problems in our world, right? Problems in our marriage and problems in our homes and our lives, amen? Uh, can, you, can you overcome if you did? Sure you can, right? Uh, and, and so... I can guarantee you, if, once you get married and you make the vow, you know, at that point, the Lord is on the page of when well, we've got to make it work. Because he's, where, where are you, right? Because you can't unwind those some things. Some things you can't unwind. You've got you've to stay, stay the course. And, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that again. And, and in this, you know, I was thinking about this because we've got to do a couple more things before we go. You know, there's a lot of questions about these things. And sometimes, you know, we don't know how to get answers to them. If you want to write a question down and say, hey, what about this, you know? You can put it in the offering and, and we'll read it and, you know, it could be anonymous because there's, so there's so much stuff that goes on with this that, you know, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to leave anything out that, that's uh, something that's important that you need to know. Let's turn real quick back to Matthew 19 and we may have to finish up there for today. So Matthew chapter 19. So in Matthew 5, Jesus addresses that very scenario, right? Talking about Deuteronomy 24, 1, about, about the, uh, the bill of divorcement. And uh, apparently, whoever these Jews were, they weren't at that meeting, right? They missed the meeting. They didn't get a copy of the tape. And so now uh, uh, it says uh, in um, verse 3, The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying him, unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? For any cause. So again, this is where they had gotten to, right? Deuteronomy 24.1 was very specific for, for adultery, fornication, violating the, the marriage bed. Uh, they had expanded it for every cause. So now the Pharisees had come to him because that's what the general consensus was. Even though it was wrong, that's what the general consensus was. I can get divorced for any reason. 
And the Pharisees are tempting him. Is that, is that so? Because if Jesus knows not so, he's going to have a war on his hands, right? And so, uh, so Jesus said, because Jesus is smarter than everybody, in verse 4, and he answered and said unto them, Have you not read? Now, again, these are the Pharisees asking about the Old Testament law, right? They're not trying to get into any New Testament ideal. They're trying to, get, uh, trying to find loophole in the Old Testament law. Uh, and so uh, uh, he said, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them what? Male and female. And said, for this cause shall a man leave a father, leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they, they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not, let not man put asunder. So that does away with same-sex marriage, right? I mean, you know, that seems to be a conflict in the church. You know, is this okay or not okay? It's not okay. Jesus said it's a man and a woman, right? I mean, it's not. Uh, we fight wars over this. And whole churches, denominations today are splitting because they don't know that this verse exists in the Bible. Uh, uh, is this pretty simple? Pretty simple, right? Uh, why are we so upset about this? Well, the, the law says that, you know, we don't, the, the, the piece of paper we get at the courthouse is not marriage, right? Marriage is what God defines it as. Marriage is, is and again, we still haven't quite got there. We may not make it today, but we're getting there. You hang on there, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, in verse 7, then say unto him, they say unto him, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorce, divorcement and put her away? So he gives the answer. Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. So uh, the Old Testament had to make the concession that, look, sometimes people would just not do right. People would get their hearts hardened, and they're just going to sin and commit adultery anyway, no matter what people do, no matter what they say, no matter how many times they go to church, no matter how much they pray, they're still going to get their hearts hardened toward the Lord and commit adultery. And, and Moses had to acknowledge that, that sometimes somebody, they just won't repent. They won't do right. And so if that's the scenario, then they have to part, part ways, right? And the, the person he's talking about is not the husband writing the bill of divorcement. He's talking about the wife whose heart had gotten so hardened towards her husband would not repent and not commit adultery against him. So he's not talking about the, the husband committing the, uh, writing the divorce. He's talking about the wife whose heart is so hardened she won't uh, not sin. Now, again, uh, that's the specific scenario about the, the woman being the one committing adultery. And he says in verse 9, And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. So, and what he's talking about here is sometimes the man's heart gets hardened for no reason or whatever reason other than a serious infraction. And maybe he just, you know, maybe the wife put on a couple pounds. You know, I was in a church service one time. In a church service. And a minister, a visiting minister was preaching. And, he, and his wife was sitting on the front row, and he said these words. He said, I don't know why the Lord had me marry a fat woman. He said, the, he said the, were you, you remember that? You know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He was there, right? I, you were there? You were there? I was there. You, Jerry was there, so I got a witness, right? He said, from the pulpit, he said, I don't know why the Lord ever had me marry a fat <laughs> Wow. You know, I hope she doesn't have a 12-inch frying pan at home, you know. And so... <clears throat> See, that's a hard heart right there. That is a hard heart. Amen. See, and so he's thinking he's got a, a way out, right? Well, she put on a few pounds. Get out of here, right? Uh, and so, uh, uh, but sometimes, you know, somebody will get a hard heart and they'll just go commit a sin against the, the marriage vows. And so Moses said, look, 
it, it shouldn't happen because Jesus said uh, that this was not the way it was supposed to be from the beginning. The way it was supposed to be from the beginning is we do right by each other. Amen. And if I got to repent uh, and straighten up my thoughts and straighten up my desires, then I need to do that. Amen. Long before it becomes an issue. Uh, and that's what he was talking about with adultery in the earlier part of Matthew chapter 5. Uh, and so he said, uh, except the fornication and shall marry another committeth adultery and who shall marry her which, which is put away doth commit adultery. Uh, and we talked about that last week too. If the woman leaves having committed adultery and she never repents, she takes that adultery right into her next marriage and then she's committing adultery that, uh, with that other person still. And so I think there's a way out of that, but, uh, uh, but that's, you know, she's going to do some repenting for that to, for that to happen. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, the thing that we the thing we've got to be careful of is as we talk about these things we're not looking for a loophole we're not looking for an excuse to get a divorce because jesus said it was never meant that once two people are married that they ever separate ever now you mean i'm stuck with this person for the rest of my life I, I i don't ever think that ever i never think that i'm stuck with my wife i think you know everybody should is uh, in fact we've had people jealous of us of our marriage you know uh, and uh, because I, I, I love being married to my wife and look forward to being married to her for the rest of my natural days. Amen. Uh, and, and so, and if I ever had a thought that was contrary to that, I believe the Spirit of God would be like, that thought you had right there, you need to go bury that thought. Cast that thought down. Don't you ever think that thought about her again. I can guarantee you he would do that because he's done it to me a hundred times, Right? What, what thought? No, we're not going through these thoughts, right? Uh, they're just thoughts, because a lot of thoughts aren't, aren't your thoughts. They're just thoughts that come by. And if you don't, you know, you've got to take captive every thought, amen? And a lot of times people don't take captive every thought. They start getting uh, resentful towards their spouse, and, and, and that's all they can think about. You know, he, you know, he, he leaves his socks on the ground. That's just, just, you know, socks, so gross, you know, socks, just all the time. Uh, and, and uh, you know, and some people just, that's all they'll think about is socks. And they'll get to a point, you know, and, and, you know, after 10 years, leave one sock in the ground and then, then they explode and you're like, what? it's just a sock, right? You know, but they've been thinking about it and dwelling on it and going over and over. Why don't they do something about those socks? You know, just so annoying and, and they won't deal with the thoughts. You got to deal with them. Otherwise, you, that stuff will fester, right? It'll, it'll be like a cancer in your mind against your spouse and you've got to deal with it, Right. Whatever the thoughts are, you've got to deal with it. Because if you don't, they will, they will cause a division. And then, it, then it'll explode. And, and the other person's like, what? I, I thought everything was fine, right? I, I can't tell you how many marriages that, that, that I've seen just, uh, they'll be married for decades sometimes. And then one day, the spouse, one spouse just walk out the door. Sometimes a man, sometimes just walk out the door. And the other one's like, but I, I, I thought we were fine. I, you know? No, I've never loved you. Well, that's not true, right? But they'll say, they have to make up an excuse, right? Or say, they'll say something like that. Well, what about the last 20 years of our life, right? You never loved me? 20, 20 years you never loved me? Well, you, there's something wrong with you, right? If you live like that. But uh, we, we still got to get to uh, what the Lord says about what, what is the ideal. Why, why, why is it even a thing? Why is marriage even a thing? Why did he ever have marriage as a thing, right? I mean, we'd have just been consenting adults and, uh, and been fine, right? Uh, uh, and, and, but we need to find out what, what's, what's the Bible say about that. Why does he, why does he care, right? Why does he care about these things? Uh, and we'll, we'll find out what he has to say about that, right? And so I just, 
there's been so many things just in, in my heart about this that um, we've got to get some things uh, looked at from the Word of God, amen? But we need to look at it from a New Testament perspective of what the ideal is from two born-again Christians with the Spirit of God in them, that what makes an ideal marriage. Because even if, even if you didn't start out right, you can, uh, all you can do is start with where you're at, right? You can't fix yesterday. You can't fix mistakes you did yesterday. All you can do is start where you are today. Uh, and, and in that, you know, uh, just the other day when I, uh, I was praying, the, the Lord showed me today's service. Uh, and as, as I saw today's service, what he showed me, just the compassion of the Lord rose up because he showed me just, just spanning the, the, the people in the church, uh, he was just showing me how, how divorce has impacted and harmed so many people in the church, just crushed so many lives in the church, crushed so many hearts and minds in the church, right? Because uh, divorce is a tearing away, right? It's, it's ripping things apart that, uh, you know, you invested your life into someone, somebody else's life, and now it, it's torn. And, and that may be because uh, somebody uh, did that to you. It might have been because you did that, right? Maybe in a fit of anger. You, you cause a divorce to happen. Uh, and again, uh, the, the point that the Lord was showing me in my heart is all of the, heart, the heartache and the, and the anguish that is, people have had to deal with because of divorce. Because you've invested your life with somebody and now it's over, right? Uh, and so, uh, so he, he'd like to pray for people today. That's, that's what he showed me. He wants to pray for people that, where divorce has impacted your life in a negative way and uh, we have to find a way past that, amen? Uh, whether it's forgiveness on our part, repentance on our part, or uh, forgiving somebody else, amen? Whatever the issue is, um, the Lord doesn't want us to build an altar at that, amen? He doesn't want us to build an altar around that event of our life and to, and to stop right there because so many people are defined by these major events, Right? Hi, how you doing? I'm, I'm fine. Uh, my name's Chip. My, my name, you know, is, is uh, I was going to say a name, but, you know, got to make sure I don't call anybody's particular name, right? My, my name is Bubba Joe, right? Uh, uh, and I'm divorced. Uh, that, that's not how, you, how you're defined, right? You're not defined by being a divorced person or not a divorced person. You're defined by, do you love the Lord, right? Uh, does, does the Lord live on the side of you? And again, uh, <clears throat> We're, we're not making any excuse for these things, right? We're not saying it's perfectly fine to do these things, amen? Um, like I said, uh, one, once, once you've committed yourself to somebody, I, I believe with all my heart from the Word of God that any two people, if they're willing to, to um, yield to the Spirit of God fully and completely, could make any situation work. Uh, but it does take two people, right? And one person could never do it by themselves. Um, and so... so just the compassion of the Lord just rose up and just looking at how many people uh, and it wasn't that he was showing me any, any person in particular but just the church as a whole how much divorce has impacted people's lives in a negative way uh, and, and has caused them so much difficulty that uh, they can't even move on because so many people especially in the church that are divorced feel uh, less than whole less than fully loved less than uh, uh, adequate to the Lord that they feel like they're somehow inadequate with the Lord. And that's just can't be, hardly be the Spirit of God. Amen? He's always a God of today. He's not a God of yesterday. He's a God of where you are right now. Uh, and, and so, 
uh, we, we're going to spend a little more time in the Word of God to find out what the Word of God says about these things. You know, if I haven't answered all your questions, you know, if you want to write some that down, that's fine. But also, be careful about being real adamant about, well, I'm just wrong. Because we haven't gone through all the Word of God yet. So, you know, uh, just be careful, okay? Sometimes we get real zealous about things and, and we have a lot of ideas. But I only want to follow the Word of God. That's all I want to follow. I don't want to follow my ideas. I don't want to follow uh, my plans. I want to follow what the Word of God says. And so let's follow what this final, because again, you've got Matthew 5, Matthew 19, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Romans chapter 13. There's so many areas of the Word of God, 1 Corinthians 13, that you can go through talking about this uh, topic that it's a big topic, apparently. And we need to get it resolved from the Word of God, amen? Uh, and have... Uh, a happy life on this earth. We've got a lot of things to do as a, as a body of Christ. Amen. This should not be a big issue in the body of Christ. It is a big issue, but it shouldn't be. We should be focused on advancing His kingdom. Uh, and uh, and it's great to have a spouse to do that with. Amen. It's not necessary, but it's, it's great to have a spouse to do that with. Amen. I'm glad. I've, I've always uh, looking forward to getting married uh, when I was younger, and and uh, I didn't have good examples growing up, but uh, you know, uh, I'm going to be the example. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so if you'd like prayer for that, if there's been any impact in your life related to divorce, and there's no shame in that, you know, the, the point of the Lord, the compassion of the Lord wants to help people, right? That's what, that, uh, what I saw in my heart was the compassion of the Lord wants to help anybody who's been impacted in this area of their life and just feels just inadequate, feel like they're just not good enough. Uh, and that is not the, the path that the Lord wants you to be on. Amen. Uh, and so, if you'd like to do that, you come up here and pray. We'll pray for you. Amen. Pray with you. So, Father, we just thank you for your goodness and kindness and mercy. Father, we thank you for your love and compassion. Father, we started out, all of us, in discussion in Romans 8, 1, that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who, who are, are in the Lord, Father. So, Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. Father, you have no desire to condemn people. You are not in the condemning business. Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let me just say this. Nobody's coming up. I find it really hard to believe, amen, that nobody in this church has been impacted in a negative way uh, in divorce. Um, you know, for me personally, the faith in me, just like we talked about in Mark eleven twenty four, about how dare that mountain be in my way. I am not letting it, you know, you get in my way, my, I will speak to you. I am not letting anything stand in my way of the blessings of heaven. Amen? Uh, uh, and so, uh, if, if, if there's just a, a desire in your heart to be prayed for, just come on up. It's okay. Amen? And we're not going to force anything. We'll move right along. No, no problem at all. Amen? But, um, you know, the Lord, the Lord showed me this, this very moment for, the, for you. That he desires to be a blessing to you. Amen. <clears throat> and so, Father, we just thank you for your goodness and kindness. And, Father, we thank you for your mercy, for watching over us and being good to us each and every day. And, Father, we thank you for the spirit of compassion that's available to us in all that we do. And, Father, we know that divorce is not the unpardonable sin. Father, we thank you that you have not condemned your people, Father, even if we were the ones who caused the sin uh, or, Father, we were the recipient of the conflict, Father. 
there's no condemnation Father. And so, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for your goodness and kindness, Father. Goodness and kindness, Father. There's no condemnation, Father. There's no condemnation, Father. Father, you are the God who loves everybody. So, Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, for your goodness. And, Father, we will never allow any mountain to stand in front of us. You should just speak, Father, and to act. We refuse, Father, to let a mountain define who we are. Father, we speak to the mountain in the name of Jesus. So, Father, I thank you. No condemnation in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Father. No condemnation. Father, today is a day free from mountains. And, Father, I command these mountains to be removed in the name of Jesus. Mountains of doubt, Father, and guilt. Father, self-condemnation in the name of Jesus. And I declare this, this child free, Father. This child of God free, Father. Every condemnation in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Free, Father. Free, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, we destroy all the altars. Father, we are not defined by our past. We are defined by you, Father, and by your word. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. The other thing that the Lord had showed to me, too, is it's not always just the adults that are impacted by divorce. Sometimes the children of, of divorced parents have got a lot of guilt and shame as if they caused it, as if it was, their, as if it was them. The devil loves to beat up on, on people and assign guilt to them for things that they didn't even do. And sometimes they'll carry that with them for days and weeks and months and years and decades. And so that was the other thing that the Lord had, had uh, asked me to pray for people is if you have been impacted by divorce, not just in your own marriage, but, uh, but your parents or in any way that you've been impacted by that, the Lord will bless you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes, Father. Father, you know the, the verse that you showed me today, Mark eleven twenty four. that sometimes we have to speak to the mountain because other people cannot face the mountain. And Father, I, I just see in my heart this just, just overwhelming, just so much, Father. The shame and the guilt, Father, that the church has heaped upon people. 
has locked them, Father, into a place where they ought not be. Even today, Father, in this building. And yet the, the, the faith, Father, even to overcome that, can be strained. And so, Father, this is my declaration. That these mountains will, be, will fall in the name of Jesus. Father, I declare with my faith that shame and the guilt, Father, have passed that's in this building because we are here together. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over that. And I break it in the name of Jesus. And there will be days ahead where there will be sunshine and pleasant days and the thoughts of, of the past that have consumed you and have put you in bondage and have held you back, that you will wake up and realize the chains are gone. That past is not part of who I am. I take authority of that in the name of Jesus. We could have done that together with faith, but I can do it with my faith to an extent. I can do it to an extent with my faith. So, Father, I thank you that there will be days ahead, Father, where a fresh breath of confidence, Father, with you comes into their lives. And, Father, where the devil has held us over their head, sometimes for many, many years, decades even, Father, that I break that stronghold in the name of Jesus. You will not hold this over their heads, over their lives. They are children of the Most High God, free to serve Him at His, at His pleasure. So, Father, I thank You in the name of Jesus for Your compassion. I thank You, Father, for Your kindness and mercy. I thank You, Father, that we will overcome and Lord, I thank you as we continue on in your word that faith will rise up. And Father, we will have the faith to speak through our own mountains. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. And Father, we just thank you. Remind us, Father, your word says that there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Father, we are in Christ Jesus. You've never condemned us. Even when we committed a sin, Father, even in that act of sin that we did by our own choice, you still in that moment did not condemn us. You are not in the condemning business, Father. That is the business of the devil. Father, I thank you. We stand here before you free. Free, Father, from our past. We are not defined by our past. And Lord, we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Well, is the Lord good? He's good all the time. Amen. <clears throat> And I think we're going to receive uh, communion here in just a minute, right? So if we get ready to, to do that.
Is the Lord good? He's good all the time. Amen. We appreciate His goodness and kindness. All right. Well, we've got a few more things to talk about here. And um, like I said, if you, if you have some questions, you know, write them down, put them in the offering uh, basket when it comes around. And, um, um, you know, we, we, we've got to get past the whole uh, heaping of condemnation that's upon people that's ever been divorced. I just, I just find it so, it just grieves my heart that the church has been so uh, hard of people who, even if, they, even if they did the mistake, even if they are completely guilty of that. Uh, and, and so many times there's innocent people in divorce, right? I mean, we just read a scenario where, where you know, the whole Old Testament law was about an innocent scenario, right? The husband did no wrong and the wife did. That means one person was innocent and yet they got a divorce. And yet Jesus didn't condemn him. He said if that's the case, then, then, then that's an acceptable uh, uh, situation where a divorce can occur. And yet the church is of the opinion that all divorce is sin, Anybody who commits it is buried in the backyard forever, right? Uh, and um, uh, the, the balance of that is um, if you're married and you're Christians, you can overcome anything, amen? Anything. But again, if you've got one spouse who's just unwilling to, to help and to um, change and to do what's necessary, you'll, it, it, may not, it may not work, amen? And it could work, but it may not work, amen? I can't, in my reading of the Word of God, the answer is, it's always the same. It depends. Amen? And so, I wouldn't have any, any, any problem at all, you know, telling two people who are trying to get a divorce. Well, if you do that, you'll be in sin, right? I got no problem telling other two people who are getting divorced. Well, that's the best thing for you guys to do right now. And I, for sure, like I said, if, if uh, there's physical abuse, I'd just say walk out and don't ever go back. I mean, that's not even a, I mean, that's about the easiest thing in the world to figure that one out, right? Uh, don't ever go back, ever. Not, not, not even ever, right? If they repent, no, you know, it doesn't matter, never. I mean, it just, and that'd be, now, if the Lord says, you know, it's okay to go back, well, fine, he can override that, you know. I don't, it's not a thus set the Lord till forever, but I mean, uh, I think wisdom would say don't ever go back, right? Uh, and so, <clears throat> but, um, you know, the Lord is good and gracious, amen? Uh, and so, um, we're gonna be, continue to be brave, and talk about this topic. <laughs> it shouldn't be a brave thing to tell, talk about the word, should it? But it kind of is, right? <laughs> I mean, we, wars are fought over this topic, amen? Oh, I mean, an entire denomination split because of this topic, right? Thousands of people go in separate directions because they can't agree on what the word says, even though I think the word is about as clear as it I mean, it's sim- pretty simple to me, right? Do what the Spirit of God says to do and hang on the best you can, right? I mean, it's just... <laughs> Uh, and if, you know, if we were all perfectly led by the Spirit of God, uh, there'd be a 0% chance of ever getting divorced. 0% chance. Amen. If we walk fully in the love of God, 0% chance of ever getting a divorce. Amen. Uh, and so, so it's okay. Amen. Uh, and um, somewhere in between we, is where we live. Amen. I don't know anybody that lives at 100% to you. Uh, and so, so let's uh, take a moment and receive uh, communion today. And so, of course, this is the last, really about the last thing Jesus did before he went to the cross is he said, I, I have looked so forward to this moment in time to, to take this bread with you because he, this is the last thing he's, uh, what, 
he was eating the the uh, the, uh, the meal there, right? The uh, the Last Supper there with the with all the boys there, uh, and uh, and he said, "I've been so looking forward to this because I want to remind you because I'm fixing to go." They didn't understand what that meant, but he was fixing to go. He said, "I want to I want to leave with you the thoughts that here's what I'm giving to you." Uh, and he, so he, and he, so he said, he took the bread and he said, "This is my body broken for you." And I, what are you talking about? See, they didn't even understand what he was saying, but but he knew it would be written down. He knew that that uh, the writers would give it to us to read, and 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 you know, twenty twenty is hindsight, right? Or hindsight is twenty twenty. We can go back and look at it. And see.